You stupid, pathetic idiot. She told you then. You know what? For centuries, men have thrown nasty little words at women to, to shame them for pursuing or perish the thought actually enjoying having sex. Never at another man, though. Have you noticed that? Never as an insult. Well, that Adam is changing right now. Slut. Right. Oh, no, no, that's not even good enough. What are you? You're some kind of rutting chimp man who can't keep his pants up or lurching around trying to get into everybody else's. Welcome to episode 122 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Coronation Street Catch-Up podcast that's never had so much fun playing around with six seconds of a deal than they did with Carla lobbing a wooden staple at Adam's hair. I'm Gavin. And I'm cancelling my hydrocortisone <laughs> prescription. You been drinking? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Were you Bloody Mary just to shake the cobwebs off? What a fucking week. Mm. What a week. It's been interesting. Yeah. It's a shame that we don't do that podcast, otherwise we'd have so much to talk about. <laughs> As it stands, we have nothing. Uh, never mind, I uh, was exhausted on Monday because my son dragged me on an 11-mile hike on Sunday. <laughs> Tuesday, pulled my pulled my shoulder out by wearing an ill-fitting bra. Who thought that bras could have such an effect? Every woman ever, ever born. <laughs> okay, just 50% of the population then, okay. Ah... <laughs> uh, yeah. So that was Tuesday. Yeah. Wednesday, my period started. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I was like, ah, oh, could this week get any worse? And my uterine lining said, hold my beer. <laughs> <sighs> but at Lovely least I stuff. don't have the COVID. So, you know. <laughs> this is true. Small blessings. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. It's getting chilly out there. It's hard to wear a... Have I moaned about my socks yet? <laughs> Not yet. I haven't worn socks or long trousers since March. And I was determined not to do it until October. So October arrived and sure enough it brought the first 40 something degree day. Mm-hmm. I was going out for a walk with my friend Steve. So I had to put on socks and I had to put on jeans. Jeans. See, I quite you like ha- you in jeans. When you haven't put on... You've got you've got the tush for jeans. Oh, thank you. When you haven't put on socks for six months, uh-huh. you kind of forget how. <laughs> I was standing, had a shower, came out of the shower, mm-hmm. my clothes are in the bathroom ready to put on, my socks are there, mm-hmm. balled up. So I unball them successfully. I remember uh, how to do that. Yes. But I'm standing with a sock in each hand, looking at my feet, thinking... How does this work again? <laughs> okay, what's next? Which one do I typically put on first? first. And what do I lean against when I'm doing that? Because it just blew my mind. It took me so long to put on socks on, on Thursday. But I got better at it this, like this morning. It was a breeze. Good. That muscle memory has come back. Excellent. But it's a strange feeling when you're looking at your feet and you don't know how to put on socks. <laughs> I guess that's... Probably in my future as well, but never mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because normally, even in even in summer, you'd be wearing socks to work. When they work, yeah, I'm wearing well, I'm not wearing jeans to work, but I'm wearing 
Well, one day a week you're slacks. wearing jeans. Are those slacks. Where's the last time you wore slacks? I'll be up to the same about six months ago. Yeah, because those dockers are slacks, aren't they? Yeah. 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 Trousers. Mm-hmm. Slacks. Dress pants. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I mean, we haven't even been going to church, so I don't know where I don't know where those those slacks are. No reason. I believe they're hanging up in your closet. Oh, okay. That's where they should be. I need uh, Owen. What are <laughs> what are? I still haven't worn socks. It is was it, it was a mental barrier to put on a pair of jeans because I was so convinced that none of them would fit. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I'd spent a year and a half probably losing close to a hundred pounds. Mm-hmm. And, and then, then you spent six months putting it all back on. Then that COVID nineteen pounds <laughs> kicked in, and I was like, oh. I'm convinced that these aren't going to go, these aren't going to fit. But they did, and they fitted quite nicely. I've I, I picked, I Around have to say, tush. I have to say, I've picked the most forgiving pair of jeans that I own. <laughs> but they went on fine. So I think it's gone on my belly, and I think it's beer, and that's why I'm not drinking beer okay. in October. Okay. Sounds Let's good. See if I can lose some of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And wake up fresh for a change. And cut down on the snoring. I don't know. Does it make a difference? It makes a huge difference. Oh, well, good. Past two nights have been bliss. <laughs> two days. I don't feel pretty good for it. Yeah. I'm you lo- look good. I'm losing. You always look good. I'm. I miss. I think. I. I don't think that I have a sweet tooth, but I'm, my body's missing the sugar that it's getting from the mm-hmm. from the beer. Just got a subway. Need some bread. So it's making me kind of rattly. <laughs> but we'll get through. It's only day two. Ireland. That's only day two. Ireland says Subway's bread is cake. Legally, Subway's bread is cake. I've always said that about you have. bread. You have been so frustrated by American bread from the very beginning. That's why you started making your own. Right. Because American bread is too sweet. And then I found a loaf that was kind of decent enough that made it, you know, I didn't have to make one bread anymore. Which was a shame because oh, you're really a good bread. bread maker. Yeah, I need to get back into that. That was yes, good fun. Yes, you do. Especially now that the weather has turned, so mm-hmm. lentil soup season. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm going to make my bouillabaisse sometime this week. Oh, good. Now that the dishwasher that. is broke, is fixed. I didn't want to cook when the dishwasher was broken. Cause yeah, generated plates. Yes. And pots and pans. Mm-hmm. And forced me to stand at the sink Stuff. and hand wash. Yeah. I did it a couple of times too. And he dragged Steli into it. Yeah, you got help. Betty had. I did it myself. Well, you could have asked for help. They were at school. Such a man. Such a man. Their school is right in the next Yeah, but they're working. <laughs> they're done with school by the time you're out of work, so that's no Oh, excuse. I was doing this at my lunch hour. Anyway. Uh, How have you been otherwise? <laughs> you have uh, two more minutes of banter before we get started. <laughs> yeah, you know. Or we could just dive in and finish two minutes early. Let's do that. Shall we preamble, my dear? Yes, please. Give me some of that delaying Cory news. <laughs> Art imitates oh. life. Apparently fans are mistaking Joe Tatine with his alter ego Tim Metcalf. One person at a gas station or a petrol station. Or a petrol garage, if you like. Ooh. Even shouted, Oi, Tim, you sick bugger, at him. <laughs> <laughs> Occupational hazard, I guess. 
<laughs> You'd like to think there was a certain amount of self-awareness in that person that they knew what they were doing. That, right. That it was meant to be kind of ironic. It's but, funny. But... But you see the sort of people that turn up to watch Al Murray in concert and you think, well, you know, it's some funny. people don't have that awareness. In the interview I read that had this, they had like blotted out half of bugger. Is, is bugger a swear word in the UK? Yes. And, um, impolite. You wouldn't, be, you wouldn't <laughs> use it at the family dinner table, put it that way. Well, no. Still, it was funny that it was like B-U dash 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 mm-hmm. E-R. How many G's are in it? I don't know. I, I think I added too many dashes. I there. think you did. Yes. Shame on you, Jack. The David Platt actor took a break this week with girlfriend Annie Trowick to theme park Alton Towers. Oh. oh, good. Except he took his mask off on a roller coaster requiring one and it was caught on film. Oh, Tsk. Considering one of his co-workers recently tested positive, it's kind of in poor taste, but he was laughing about it, so... Hmm. <laughs> I don't because he's he's on it and he's shouting and he's screaming. So you know, I'm amazed that anybody's light on a roller coaster. Spitum is going everywhere. I, Stelly still doesn't believe me that Disney World is open. I'm like, yeah, Disney World's open. Everybody has to wear masks everywhere in Disney World, and then they cut twenty eight thousand jobs. At Disney World and Disneyland. So, obviously, that's going really well for them. But don't they have all the money? They have all the money, don't they? Disney. Apparently, the theme parks are not pulling their weight. So, so they're cutting stuff. Anyway. Anyway. Finally, it's, hey, hey, we want equal pay for some of the younger Corey actors. It's been reported that some of the younger members of the cast want to take another look at their current contracts, which pay them by the episode and not by the season. Oh. COVID has left some of them skint, so they are lobbying the show's bosses to stop linking salary to number of episodes. So stay tuned for that. And that's Corey News. Mm, that doesn't seem fair. No. I think That feels a little... Oh dear, I was going to say a very loaded word there. I think... Exploitative. I think um, initially some of the younger members of the of the cast did that because they wanted wiggle room to be able to work on other projects and then COVID happened and there are no other projects to work on and you're also not getting your Corey episodes. So I think Uh, that that would attract my exploitative line then because yeah, yeah. if they can go off, if you're not tied down to doing Corey, then there's nothing to stop the B-boy that plays Jack to go off and be in some other oh, slightly older than Jack. I don't, oh, right, I don't okay. think I don't think Jack is is lobbying the the bosses. Um, you know he's supposed to be the same age as Hope in the show. No, mm-hmm. but they aren't. <laughs> anyway, anyway, our mailbag. That's great <laughs> news.
You're already said that. Did I? Mm-hmm. All right, well, I said it again. Kev, who I haven't heard from in a while, put his oh. best typing fingers into action. COVID-19 is raging through the country again, he says. The British government is making plans to break international law. And in Lincolnshire, five parrots in a wildlife park have been telling visitors to fuck off. <laughs> While in the US, the West Coast is burning as the nation prepares for one of the most toxic, toxic presidential elections ever, with the added threat that democracy may be turned asunder if the wrong result comes in. And yet... The lingering thought in my head is what a horrendous load of utter shite Corey was last week. <laughs> and that was even before uh, the president and, and half of his cronies got COVID. How you guys managed to not only sit through it all, but then write notes and talk about it for 90 minutes, I'll never know. Kudos. Yes. Thank you, Kev. We take our responsibility seriously. Well, I'm not sure those swearing <laughs> parrots are a bad thing, though. No, I love the swearing parrot. That was a great story. It was a great story. So apparently these birds swear to get a reaction from people. And if people react laugh and or... react, they just do it more. Yeah. And all the birds that are around them kind of learn from this. Right. So what they were worried about was that these five parrots or whatever would teach the 250 other talking <laughs> birds that were around about them to, to tell people Swear. to fuck off or call them a fat bastard when they were walking through. So they've been isolated. Yeah. That's sort of horrible. <laughs> That's kind of sad. Then Chloe from Nova Scotia wrote in to say, Homeless Carol and Sinead's beard oil have had exactly the same on-screen time as a sinkhole over the last three weeks. <laughs> <clears throat> you think it would crop up in conversation on an at least occasional basis. Sarah comes home to find David and Nick drinking beers, and she could say something like, do we still have a potentially fatal accident waiting to happen in the backyard? Yeah, it wasn't mentioned at all this week. No. It's, it's like it never happened. There's David sitting with his feet up, Knocking back a few beers. There's a massive hole in his yard. Hanging out with hanging out with Nick this week. In his home. I've been Nobody re- talking about it. I've been reading some... I'm doing it a favour by referring to it as analysis. But uh-huh. I've been reading some commentary over what would happen if a sinkhole really did happen in a suburban area like this. Yeah, the whole neighbourhood would, would be, be shut down. Yeah. <laughs> They would evacuate everybody. You'd have seismologists there, you'd have right. geologists there, you'd yeah. have people trying to figure out what happened. Yeah. And notice that the little mole guy, he's left his wee hole. Right. And yeah. he's, ha- he's got a wee hat down in his there's, hole that he's left there's as There's well. got to be evidence of tampering there. I'm making little mole motions with my wee digging hole. You really are. You really are. It's adorable. <clears throat> you look even more like a badger than you usually do. <laughs> Not badger, I'm a mole. You're a badger. <clears throat> and now... This. I can only wonder what's coming up this week. No much to talk about. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to last year tonight, this morning, with me, John Oliver. Just enough time to quickly talk about the what theory. This was Dev explaining capitalism to Faye and getting made to look like a Muppet by Roy. That was quite funny. That was quite funny. They were both obnoxious to Faye, though, uh-huh. if I recall. It was Faye, wasn't it? it? Yeah, the man's... Or was it Sophie? Which oh, one was I think it was college? Sophie. It was Sophie. I think it was Sophie, yeah. Yeah, it was Sophie. Well remembered. Thank you. I was Gavin, and you were impressed. It was one of my better intros, back when I put some thought into them and read them at speed. <laughs> remember those days? I can't remember what it was about. Mm. It's just the start of October, and you're banging on about Halloween already. You were ready to go camping, and I was getting ready to go to Orlando. We kind of started noticing all the, if you've been affected by the storyline storylines this week. Yes. Frantic residents do their best to track down Carla, 
and she's always just round the corner hiding. Right. Ken becomes very angry with Roy, and oddly we see ourselves inside of Mr. Barlow for a change. I can't remember what that was about. Ooh. Seb and Alina are getting close, despite Seb's inability to keep out of her place of work for five minutes. I read between the lines of what appears to be Alina's very distressing backstory. That was just a year ago. Ew. Natalie's back and as hyper as ever, only made worse by all the birthday cake she must have eaten before <sighs> starting her shift on Wednesday. I expected her to come I back. I miss her. Her and Wayne need to come back. Two of the best characters. Well, Gone. Natalie wasn't a great character. She was a fantastic character. She was fun, though, because she, she was, was always fun. coked out of her tits. Fun. I like fun. Uh, the Rovers has a talent competition, and someone told Tim's dad about it. That person, we hope, is no longer in the circle of trust. We talked way too much about Game of Thrones. Our moment of the week was Dave and Asha talking about our skin lightening issue, and our boring moment of the week was Ali and Ryan bringing in soup and bread pudding to the Rovers for no apparent reason, and that was Coronation Street and the talk of the street this time last year. Speaking of Game of Thrones, did you see that meme of uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg as uh, as Lady Tyrell? It says, <laughs> tell Donald, I want him to know it was me. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. I've tried really hard not to laugh at the situation, but that was just, people are so creative. I I've loved it. I've seen quite a few. <laughs> uh, I'm using tweets that uh, I feel compelled not to speak about, because <laughs> this isn't that podcast. <laughs> Shall we dive in, my dear? Yes, please. A better week this week. Yes, better week this week. Monday was great. Yeah. Wednesday was great. Yeah. Friday was okay. Yeah. That's, this seems to be the pattern. That Monday and Wednesday are just fantastic and then Friday's just kind of meh. I don't know if it's because Wednesday, Monday and Wednesday are f- so fantastic and then Friday's just kind of setting up the next Monday and Wednesday. Or what? Or it's kind of closing stuff off. I mean, there was interesting things that happened on Friday. But, yeah. You know, the, there was a bit of high octane stuff going on. Yes. Wednesday that just had the kind of aftermath sort of thing but improved and thank God for that because last week was just anyway anyway <laughs> our first storyline this morning the is... less said the better yeah I couldn't think of an adjective that was uh, scathing enough while still uh, being respectful of uh, a show that we watch into a podcast about uh-huh. Weatherfield Psycho on Monday, Adam and Boring Moment of the Week, I mean, <clears throat> Adam and Daniel are in devs <laughs> sharing some small talk about Nikki, who Daniel says he won't be seeing again. Then comes Tim's dad, who has decided that one of the two of them know where his money is. So which one of them is it? He thinks someone did a runner with it. Adam reminds Tim's dad about Alia, but Tim's dad doesn't think it could have been her because he always hangs his jacket up at speed dial and he knows that the money wasn't there at that point. <laughs> but it was when he was in the law office. <laughs> Daniel makes his excuses. He has a sing-along party with Bertie and leaves. And Tim's like, oh, I'm sorry that you have to do something more important than talk about where my fucking money is. It is more important. Yeah. yeah. Clearly. This Babies. Is, I, don't, I don't disagree. This is important to you. Right. But it's not important to me. No. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. He has a sing-along party with Bertie and he leaves, which means Tim's dad has to report it to the police. And when Tim's dad leaves, Dev points out to Adam that it's for reasons like this that he has his eye in the sky, his CCTV. Mm-hmm. I bet you wish you had one of them, says yeah. Dev. And Adam sucks a thoughtful too. He certainly does. 
Then at home, Daniel is making hummus, which apparently is stinking, and he gets a call from Nikki. It's plaster. She didn't look like it. It didn't look great. But then hummus doesn't really look great, unless it's spread on something. Like a kebab. Benny loves hummus. It's good. Yeah. Pita chips. She wants to meet him, and he suggests the metaphorical community garden, rather than, you know, in his flat. Mm-hmm. That seemed odd to me at the time. Well, it's convenient, isn't it? Well, it's it's certainly plot-friendly. Yeah. So they meet up, and Nikki announces that she doesn't need all the money, and so she gives a chunk of it back, and who should be walking by at the back but Tim's dad. Dum, dum, dum. Daniel's a bit of an asshole and taking the money back, saying that everything he had to go through to get this in the first place, and she says, like, what? And he says, well, well it doesn't matter. They part on good terms, and she tells him to look her up if she's ever in the area, and he agrees to do that. We will never see her again, and she will never be mentioned again. Mm-hmm. Dum, dum, dum. And all of this is overheard by a scowling Tim's dad. So, let's do the sums. Daniel gives Nikki £5,000. Pounds. <laughs> and it gets about a grand back. Yes. So this massive debt that she's been going on, on about has been about £4,000. And, well... She's charging people £150 an hour, which represents around 27 hours worth of work. And I know that she'll have other outgoings and responsibilities and stuff, but still, it seems that she had a way out of this on her own without taking money off Daniel. Yeah, this is all just lazy writing right there. <laughs> yeah. She she paints this picture that she's in mountains of debt. Well, the writers have her paint this picture that she's in mountains of debt. Well, they come out of her mouth, so. Yeah. I expected a little bit. Right. A little bit more. A yeah. bit, bit more severe. A bit like the five grand isn't going to cover it, but it's going to help a great deal. The whole the whole debt thing to begin with and the whole, oh, I have no other way to pay my debts besides sell my body bullshit was irritating already. Mm-hmm. But then when, oh, four grand will not only cover my debts, but help me pay for moving... <laughs> And getting out of a lease, I'm assuming, for her flat, wherever she's living. Yeah, she'd be renting somewhere, I would imagine. It's just... It's lazy. It's lazy writing. The arcs that it's taken... It's just... It's just, just falling flat on its face. And this is not just this week, but last week as well. Yeah, it was already it was already cascading into kind of ridiculous cliché pretty woman stuff yep but this ending just (laughs) it's it's like falling it's 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 like when you step on one of those puffer mushroom things and it just spore goes everywhere but not very far Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah you you expect a huge explosion but it's just like quite enjoying making the sound effects Yeah, because she started off with this kind of a much stronger, independent right character, right? Who who was it, interesting and fun, and was unapologetic for her job, and seemed to in, enjoy it, you know, to the degree that anybody enjoys their job. You know, this is this is a thing that I do, but it doesn't define me. Blah blah blah, and then it just. 
as no. No. No, 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 no. <laughs> So Adam goes around to see Daniel Berti's with Kirk, just in case anyone's worried, which is weird because Adam thought that he had a sing-along thing. Daniel said it was cancelled. Adam announces that he's going to check through the CCTV tonight from the law office. Uh, Imran installed it ages ago and he'd forgotten all about it. At this point, I don't think there's any CCTV and he's expecting no. Daniel to confess, but he doesn't. No. But it's enough to get Daniel snooping around the lawyer's office where he's confronted by Adam and Daniel and has no choice but to confess. Adam calls him a common thief and a liar and sends Daniel to bring back the rest of the money, but they're interrupted by PC Tinker. Tim's dad has made a complaint and Craig wants him down the station for questioning and when Adam refuses because they don't have any evidence, Craig arrests the pair of them. Yeah. All of a sudden, PC Tinker is just... P- PC Tinker's busy this week. I know. He gets to throw his weight around quite a bit, which is funny because he has so much less <laughs> right. to throw around, which is probably why they're... Every time he turns up, though, in his, uh, his fluorescent tabard and his, uh-huh. and his wee hat, I think back to a few months ago where he made a big deal about how he shouldn't be seen on the street that he lives wearing his police uniform right. and he shouldn't have anything to do with people that he knows. Right. And since then, that's all that's happened. Right. He's uh, interviewed and questioned and tried to help out little Max, remember? Mm-hmm. Let's not forget that. Everything is with people that he, that he knows. And then he breaks confidences with, uh, with <laughs> private information that the police have gathered through questioning. You know why? Well, because of plot. And also COVID. They don't want to be hiring any, you know, extra people to come out to the street, to come into the bubble. I think this this, this predates PC Tinker in the time of COVID. Well, I mean, as far as arresting, because he wasn't really arresting people. He was doing like the whole sitting and talking to Max thing, mm. which is still funny. It's one of the funniest, funniest scenes ever <laughs> on the show. money and says Daniel isn't a thief in another room Daniel is sticking to the story until the cops reveal that Tim's dad saw him and Nikki exchange an envelope earlier the cop says this isn't going to be this isn't going to look great for Adam's reputation and invites Daniel to try again and this time Daniel confesses saying that he has some of it back and Adam had nothing to do with it I I was disappointed that Tim's dad didn't recognise Nikki so that that blows that theory out of the water yeah, and he saw her face on. Yeah. Because he could see the, the envelope and he could see the money inside it. Yeah. I'm very disappointed that that didn't pan out. I, I feel like that's an opportunity missed. Yep. So it wasn't Tim's dad that injured her. Right. Which kind of makes sense, actually, when you think about it. I reckon that she could fucking kick seven shades of shit with Tim's dad. Yeah, probably. The police are with Tim's dad explaining that Daniel's confessed and he's willing to return what's left of the money and pay back the rest in instalments. Tim's dad doesn't give a shit and wants Daniel punished to the full extent of the law. Can't say I blame him. Then outside, Tim's dad say, sees Tim and for whatever reason, Tim's dad changes his mind. He doesn't want to press charges so long as he gets all of his money back and an apology. When he tries to explain all, this, all of this to Tim, Tim is all out of fucks to give and basically blanks Tim's dad and goes off to work. Right, yeah, he's trying to prove to Tim that he's a nice guy. Right. To get back in Tim's good graces, and it doesn't work. Doesn't work. Which is delightful. Kind of made things worse, I think. Yeah. A little bit. Outside the cop shop, Adam is still pissed with Daniel when Craig comes out, wanting to know what Daniel's big idea is all about. 
Daniel says, okay, we'll talk about it. Fine, says Craig. Let's walk and talk. Ooh. Stay in the lowdown. So apparently they walk back to Daniel's and then they have the argument there. Probably talking about clouds, their favourite cheeses, and the infinite bounds of Graham's number along the way. Craig is astounded and is about to get torn into Daniel when Daniel's phone rings and he's all like, oh, I'm sorry, I need to take this. And it's the cops explaining that Tim's dad isn't pressing charges, so in Daniel's mind, it's sorted. Yes, says Craig, until it happens again. And Daniel tries to leave to pick up his son, and Craig points out that it's Sinead's son too. Mm-hmm. Dum, dum, dum. So Daniel explains the basis of his relationship with Nicky and manages to do so without coming across as an absolute fucking creep. It was better uh, than c- cuddling up to a bunch of pillows at night. Was that supposed was to be Sinead or Bethany, says Craig. Oh. Daniel's is shocked, but Craig... Zing. Craig ain't backing down here. No. What do you think Sinead would think about this? Proposing to Bethany and getting her name wrong, stealing money to give to a prostitute, and did they ever think of Bertie during all of this? Craig says that Daniel might have loved Sinead in his own fucked up kind of way, but so did he, Beth and Kirk, and they'll be fucked if they're going to stand by and let him screw up Bertie's life as much as he screwed up his own. And later, the mood has calmed, so Craig asks how he's going to pay back Tim's dad, and Daniel kind of poo-poos it, but then admits that he has no idea. So Craig offers to lend him the money, saying it'll be no good for Bertie if Tim's dad ends up pressing charges and uh, putting Daniel in the clink, adding the next time he wants to save the world one person at a time, do it for someone who deserves it, like your son. Which, I get where he's coming from. (laughs) But saying that Nikki doesn't deserve it just because she's a sex worker is just the most masculine thing I think has ever come out of Craig's mouth. Uh, but hopefully this means that we are done with making insulting, self-righteous judgments about sex workers on the show. I quite enjoyed Craig getting stuck into Daniel. Oh, yeah. That was great. Yeah. And it was... It was only that one bit that I took offence at. Yeah, it was the last bit that kind of was, you went, hmm. <laughs> he was trying to save the world one person at a time. But to say that, well, see, this I think goes back to the amount of debt. I don't think Nikki did really deserve it. She didn't deserve that money. Well, She shouldn't have accepted the money in the first place. Let's no. face it, the character at the start of this wouldn't have accepted that money. No, but... but- Craig doesn't know all this. He's making an assumption just because she's a sex worker. She doesn't deserve help. And it wasn't about sex, Daniel keeps on saying. It wasn't about sex. They did have sex she did once. have sex with her. Once. So it's kind of about sex. Once. It was mostly cardigan-based, but mm. he, never, he never mentions that. Cardigan-based sex. <laughs> do, you think, do you think she would? She didn't wear the cardigan. Was she wearing Sinead's perfume during that, do you think? I don't know. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about that. Let's keep going. I'd like to not think about that. On Wednesday, Adam is on the phone to Imran, who isn't happy about the Daniel situation. Daniel hasn't paid Tim's Tim's dad back yet because he's been looking after Bertie for a change and he isn't looking forward to it. The pain Tim's dad back not the looking after Bertie thing Adam tells him to get his arse into gear and take care of it and is outraged to learn that Daniel has got the money from Craig calling this a conflict of interest and yeah that he's getting a loan from his arresting officer to pay back the Person, pr- yeah. the proceeds of the crime yeah and it does seem a little bit mm. murky doesn't it mm. murky 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 Murky. Murka. So, yeah, Murka. Murka. So, yeah, well, 
Daniel goes to Spital <laughs> to see Tim's dad. He needs Tim, Tim's dad's bank details to give him his money back. And Daniel apologises for stealing the money. And Tim's dad is quick to correct him. My money. Tim's dad tells Daniel he's lucky he didn't let the police wipe the floor with him. Tim's dad thought they had so much in common. Oh. Which was almost as insulting to Daniel as anything that Craig had said the day before. Right. They're educated men, well, comparatively. Their, perse- their persona non grata around about here. And they they've both lost their wives. prostitutes. They've both lost their wives in tragic circumstances. He advises to not let some tart ruin his life. <sighs> Daniel goes to see Adam and tell him the good news. Tim's dad has been paid back and Adam's all, do you want a fucking medal? You pay him back with Craig's money and you could have got him and Imran in serious shit. Sorry, mate, says Daniel. I'm not your mate, buddy. I'm not your buddy, pal. I'm not your pal, buddy. I'm not your fucking mate, says Adam. If I wasn't related to you, I'd have washed my hands of you a long time ago. Grow up. So Daniel leaves with his tail between his legs. And in this scene, Adam is in a particularly bad mood because he got his hole in another storyline. That's true. He did, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm not your pal, buddy. I'm not your pal. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, it was nice having so many people rip Daniel and <laughs> one this week. Uh, this is the, the hypocrisy of me. I enjoyed Daniel ripping a new one into Tim's dad last week. It was right. about the only thing that I liked last week. Right. But I really enjoyed the reverse happening this week as well. Correct. Tim's dad just making it as long and as awkward for Daniel as possible. Because mm-hmm. he makes him stand there for ages while he does nothing and just just makes work. Yeah. Yeah. Just to make him frustrated. And, and he's got to know that it's really insulting to Daniel to be compared to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can tell. You can tell he knows. Right. He doesn't want to be compared to him. Yeah. Yeah. That was... Delightful. Almost yay at that. Uh-huh. I don't know. I don't know if we're going to see Nikki again. I don't think so. I don't think. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't. Why? No. There's no point. I'm glad they did not have a full-fledged relationship. I'm glad it didn't go down that road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just hope that we don't decide to resurrect this Nine Tim's, months dad, from now? Tim's dad, Nikki possibility when yeah. quite clearly that can't have been a thing. No. Or Nikki showing up nine months from now. Oh. Right. Do you like to throw a surprise pregnancy into this show every now and again, don't they? Like now? Mm. Mm. <laughs> we, shall, we shall get to that. In fact, we'll get to that now. Let's talk about Falling from Grace. Oh, well done! I called it that last week. Did you? <laughs> it, it garnered no reaction. <laughs> At least I think it did. Let me check. Don't, I don't think so because we had no idea. Let's see. How far? Some the field cycle bit. Then we had. Just talk amongst yourselves. So. Do, 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 oh, do you know do, what? I could put in my little. Uh... Do, 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 do. Oh, no, I didn't. I just do, called do, it Michael. Do, do, do. Yeah, thought... yeah. So go fuck yourself. <laughs> I'll be right back. <laughs> no. Okay, I'm. <laughs> Okay, I'm back. <laughs> that didn't take very long. <laughs> That's only partially done for effect. 
<laughs> Falling from Grace. On Monday, Michael is complaining to Ed about Grace being weird yesterday and not trusting him, which he, he can actually understand. Mm. But apparently this mess of a salesman from last week is the top salesman this week and has earned a bonus and he's got plans for it that'll prove he's solid to Grace and Tiana. And we learn that Aggie is caring for Auntie Irene, who's had a hip operation apparently. Yes. It's a busman's holiday for Aggie. Yep. I thought she was still in quarantine at the at the hospital. That was months ago. I know. <laughs> but still, it's not like there's not still a pandemic on. She can't still be hiding out in quarantine, though. There was nothing wrong with it, remember? It was her uh, matron, or the, the sister mm. in the ward. That... Right, but still, it seems, that a matron it seems like a, a lot of doctors and nurses out of an abundance of caution have not been going home when they were working on the COVID. Right. Words. So Later, anyway. Michael phones Grace and arranges for her and Tiana to come over at lunchtime. And he's already had a conversation with Ed where he says, if you want to see what I've got planned, come home at lunchtime. Isn't it weird that... <laughs> yeah, see, this is where I'm going with this. That that he, he, wants, he wants Ed to be there. While he proposes to Grace, yes. Right, and, you know, it's going to be this big momentous occasion, but... They say nothing about James. So this made me assume that James was just not on the show right now. Right. Because, but... It's, we get a little surprise lately, don't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah, we do. So, Ed comes home at lunchtime and Michael shows him that he's got an engagement ring. He's going to <gasps> ask Grace to marry him. This'll show her. Ed <laughs> wants to celebrate, but Michael would rather wait until she said yes, which is fine. So, Ed and Michael are sprucing the place up picking up beer cans and stuff. And Michael has got a bottle of bubbly from Dev's as well as some prezzies for Tiana so she doesn't feel left out. Ed thinks it's just wonderful and he's never been more proud of his son. Grace is going to be one lucky lady. So Grace arrives without Tiana who has a dicky tummy and one of her friends is looking after her. Mm-hmm. Michael shows Grace the plastic ring that he got for Tiana because he didn't want her to feel left out. And Grace realises what's about to happen and begs him not to. But he gets down on one knee and proposes. And he does it anyway. Why, she asks. He wants to make it up for her, but she says that he's two years too late. She can't marry him. And Ed makes his excuses and leaves. This is why you don't invite your dad dad to the proposal. Aye, aye, aye. They get wired into champagne anyway, and Grace reveals that Grace and Tiana are leaving for Spain. Tomorrow. Permanently. Sure. When did she intend to tell Michael? He refuses to let her leave with his daughter, but she's not having it. Look after yourself, she says, and then she leaves. So Michael chases after her, saying that he'll move to Spain tomorrow too to be uh, with her and Tiana. What about your family, Grace asks. And he says that Grace, a woman who has been nothing but flighty with him since she met him again and who has only told him about moving to Spain 24 hours ahead of doing so, and Tiana is his family. She says that she's met someone else and that's why she's moving. And no, it's no one you know. He lives in Canada. No. <laughs> <laughs> she, <laughs> she gets in a cab and she leaves, leaves this time. She leave leaves this time. Right. I don't think she's met someone else. I don't think she's moving to Spain. At this point, I don't even know if her name is Grace. Yeah. She's not a good liar. Yeah, and I mean, the whole I met somebody else doesn't happen until he says, I can move to Spain with you. Right. I can just pick up and leave. I'll find another job. Sure. In a pandemic. (laughs) And I don't speak Spanish. Why not? (sighs) Later, Ed comes home to a tearful Michael who explains about the Spain thing. Ed wants to know why this is only coming out now. <clears throat> At least Aggie will be happy, says Michael. Aggie's looking more and more like a fine judge of character. <laughs> <laughs> Later still, 
James is still alive. James is here. Why wasn't he invited to the engagement? He's heard the news and expected Michael to be wheelbarrowed out of his trolley at this point, but apparently instead of getting drunk, Michael had forgotten his wallet, so ended up just shouting at some pigeons. Poor Michael. He thought things were going so well, he can't get his head around it. She's moving to Spain, and some guy he's never met is going to raise his kid. James wants Michael to promise he won't do anything crazy, like shouting at pigeons in the park, (laughs) but Michael can't make that promise. No. On Wednesday, Michael is on the phone leaving a message with Grace asking her not to take Tiana away. And James is surprised that Michael doesn't know where Grace lives. That's a good point, James. Yeah, it's a very good point, James. Michael says that she was always weird about where she lived. It was a bit of a dive and she was embarrassed by it and she didn't want him to Uh see it or whatever. Hmm. And then he remembers that, huh, streetcars took her home. Hmm. So Randy goes to streetcars. But Tim isn't interested in getting involved and has heard that things got quite heated between Michael and Grace. Michael explains the situation and says that he's not Tim's dad. And the thought of losing his daughter is killing him. And Tim goes, well, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. So we have one of these uh, gaps in the storyline where we don't really know what's going on. No. Or where Michael went. Did Michael go to the place that was supposed to be the dive? Or did Michael go to where we discovered that Grace and Tiana probably are? It's a little confusing. Mm-hmm. But then an angry Grace turns up at Ed's looking for Michael. He snatched Tiana. Why isn't she in Spain? Ad asks for calm, but Grace goes off to call the police. Then James comes down the stairs and has a look like he knows where Michael is. And Michael is across the road in the community garden with Tiana, who has her ears pierced. That took me by surprise a little bit. Some people do pierce their baby's ears. Yeah, I don't think I approve. <laughs> he dings a call from Grace and then Ed finds him. What are you doing, son? Michael says he's not kidnapping his kid. He's just holding on to her until they miss their flight. He doesn't see it any different to Grace taking Does the kid to Does he know when their flight is? Does he know that there's a flight tomorrow? Or the next day? Right! He doesn't see it any differently to Grace taking the kid to Spain. Like, custody doesn't cross his mind or anything. I know. And this is like, you know, all of a sudden things are starting to fall into place. Where, as you recall, Grace got very angry and everything and indignant when uh, Michael wanted to go to a lawyer and and work out a custody arrangement you know and everything and we're like well why why would she why would she be this upset about that especially since she seems you know, to be complaining that she had to do all of this by herself mm-hmm. well let's get let's get to the little mm-hmm. sting in the tail here ed urges him to take tiana back to her mom so on the way home, Michael is swiftly arrested for child abduction and he's taken down to the station. Outside the station, Michael spies a man with Tiana's unicorn and quickly decides that this is Grace's new fella who intends to take his kid to Spain. Michael shouts that he's pressing charges as he's led into the station. And I don't know if that was deliberate or not, but the clothes that the two guys were wearing were quite similar. Yes. Did you notice that as well? I did notice that as well. <laughs> and I never notice things like that. Y- you really don't. So it must, so it must have been pretty, pretty obvious. In the interview room, Michael has waived legal representation and cries as he explains how his life has collapsed in the last few days and how he just wanted them to miss their flight. He still loves Grace, even after all this. The copper is surprised and suspends the interview to go off to speak to her colleagues. I, I, I missed a little bit out there. Did I? No. So a doctor comes <laughs> in to see Michael now. He's here to carry out a mental health assessment. A what? A mental health assess- assessment. I thought that was quite funny. Mm. 
and he starts asking Michael questions like where it lives and all that. Assessment over, the copper comes back in and Michael is rightly confused. The copper asks who he thinks Tiana's mum and dad are, and Michael is even more confused as he answers. Then the copper says, Grace isn't Tiana's mum. Her mum is Lisa. Grace has been pretending this whole time. She's Tiana's nanny, and the man he saw outside is a real dad. What the actual dum, dum, fuck? Dum. I thought this was done really well. The whole uh, bit in the interview room mm-hmm. where I came through to you, remember, mm-hmm. and I said, it looks like, it looks like Michael isn't Gracie's dad. Yeah, Tiana's dad. dad. But I was only halfway through the story. Mm-hmm. I come back in, I watched the rest of the story, and I just was not expecting the fact that... Well, I was expecting the fact that Michael wasn't Tiana's mm-hmm. dad. And kind of had suspicions about that, low-level yeah. suspicions, when she doesn't turn up at Christmas and things like that. And, right, yeah. But for Tiana not to be uh, Gracie's daughter as yeah. well, just like, what? How does this make sense? And you know, just think about it, well, it does make sense, but... Yeah. The more the more you sit and look back, you know, you made the analogy to the to the sixth sense. Um and yeah, when you go back and you look at all of the steps along the way, it makes perfect sense. You know, it and and I kind of had my suspicions um last week with the whole daddy thing. And the look on on Grace's face, mm-hmm. I was like, something really just is not adding up here. That totally cemented the Mike, and, Michael's and, not the dad, and and the whole and the whole um, nobody the the whole all of the times Grace shows up without Tiana and just makes weird excuses, mm-hmm. and then when James is like, I can't believe you never you you never went to their place, I was like, oh, this isn't. She's she's borrowing this kid, or she was watching this kid. Something, yeah. And and then, but the whole interview stuff and everything was so well done mm-hmm. and so well acted. You know, I thought Michael was exceptionally good. In so it. good, and just the confusion and they did they kind of uh, under uh, did a little underlay of. Uh, kind of strange audio effects and yes. which they didn't overdo. No, it was just enough to give you that kind of disorientation right. and uh, kind of spinny, spinny sort of thing. I thought mm-hmm. it worked. I thought it worked exceptionally yes, well. Yes, it worked very well. So the cops are looking for Grace now, and the real parents have dropped the charges. Poor Ed is in the waiting room with the real Tiana's dad. He thought the kid was his granddaughter. I felt hard sorry for, for poor Ed there. I thought it strange that. Neither of Tiana's parents speak. Oh, the dad says sorry twice. Does he? Mm-hmm. He says sorry to Ed when he's on his own with Ed, and then he says sorry to Michael as they're, as they're leaving, but the mum doesn't say anything. No. And it was weird, and it was awkward. Yeah, she's, she's a, it's got to be an weird actor and awkward. A, in a non-speaking role. And, you know, just can you imagine? Can you imagine? Not speaking? No. Finding out that somebody has been passing your child off as somebody else's mm-hmm. for you know months now. Right. It's like it's like uh, somebody showed up and said, "Hey, I'm Stelly's dad." No, you're not. 
She already has two. That's enough. Right. So we see Tiana and her, with a her real mum and a real dad and apologising to Michael and Ed, and then everyone leaves. Back home, the Baileys conduct a post-mortem on the situation. No one can figure it out because it doesn't seem to have been about money. Michael wonders if she was even pregnant in the first place. And James seems to think that maybe the real parents will let him see Tiana. No. What? Well, Friday, Ed says the same thing. It's like, really? Really? Michael has spent the last eight months uh, with a kid who wasn't his. A kid who started to call him daddy. He's a stranger to her, and yet he's not, and he still loves her. Yeah. And by Friday, Michael still hasn't got his head around this. Things like this don't happen to real people. You can say that again. Ed doesn't think it does any good to dwell on it, but Michael has nothing left. He was her dad, and he can't see her again. And now what? Ed didn't think Grace was capable of this, and neither did Aggie, who, who thinks that she took her eye off the ball. But she does this in a kind of third-party way. We don't right, obviously yes. see her. There'll be no forgiveness for Grace round here, says Ed, just as Grace chaps on the door. And there's a funny wee indent of a stained glass fly or something uh, before we go into the break. And I wonder if we could find out who made that wee funny stained glass glass fly and I could that's, write to them. That's the, the bee picture that's behind, that's on their living room wall. It's big. It's it's beautiful. I really like it. I want one. So if we could find out who made it and I could write to them and explain that my granddad used to have one just like it. And maybe they would sponsor us. If you've been listening to the show two years ago, that joke might make a little bit of sense. <laughs> he invites her in. Ned threatens to call the police, but Michael needs to talk with her alone. Grace just wants a chance to explain, and Michael needs to hear this explanation. Yeah, we all do. Ed shouts a bit, and then leaves him to it. She explains that Tiana is her best friend's daughter, and now she'll never see either of them again. Well, boo-hoo. Mm-hmm. Things got out of hand, she says. She wanted him to feel some of the hurt that she felt. Everything went wrong after the split and she blamed him. She lost the baby and she should have told him. She hated him that much to keep it all from him. They were happy and then he walked out and that was the worst week of her life. Michael asks if the boy, if the baby was a boy or a girl and it seems to have been a boy. Grace is doing a power of crying here. It was Lisa, Tiana's mum, who took her in and then asked her to stay on as a nanny. She says Michael was the one to jump to the conclusion that Tiana was his, but he thinks that she led him. I think she's right though, actually, because when she saw when he saw the both of them in the car, right. But what's he supposed to think? Right, and she could have very easily said, "No, this isn't your kid. This is my best friend's kid that I'm taking care of." I don't know if he would necessarily have believed her, mm-hmm. but still, it could have been sorted out rather quickly. Very, yes, she wishes she could turn the clock back or make Tiana theirs. So that was a weird thing to say. Mm. And we start to go around in circles a little bit. Grace blamed him. She wanted him to feel the same way that uh, she felt. He says he came. she came to him after the Fresco's car park meeting. She feels different about him now and thinks that they can be together and put it all behind them. She loves him. She had no plans to run off to Spain and now he knows everything. But they can still go to Spain before the police pick her up. <laughs> He's not sure he wants a life on the run or a life spent aiding and abetting her. But she says that uh, they can have the life that they've always dreamed of it's a simple decision either way she's gone if he ever loved her he would do it so he thinks about it and agrees and he goes off to pack the bags and then grace <sighs> fishes out a positive pregnancy test but from it's her not handbag. it's there's only one line on it a positive pregnancy test would either have two lines or a cross there's only one line well the way this one works is it's positive because it is positive. Well, 
she makes reactions like it's positive, but whoever is the set <laughs> person on that show needs a talking to because that's not a positive t- pregnancy test. One line is not a... I don't care what country you live in because it has to show one line to prove that it's working. And then the second line proves that you're pregnant. The best the ones cross. are just the ones that say yes. Yes. Or pregnant or not pregnant. Mm-hmm. Those are the best ones. Or hurry or oh shit. <laughs> but the way that she kind of like, as soon as he's up the stairs, immediately stops crying mm-hmm. and, and goes to the chilling. It was chilling. And yes. also, you know, if if this is if this is indeed true, if you in, are indeed pregnant, why wouldn't you have said that to him? Look, and when did they have time to get their hole off of one another? Because we've seen them occasionally go out to dinner, but we haven't seen them spend the night together. I think hole has been implied. Has it? I think so. Did they do it at Ed's house where Michael lives? Because they didn't do it in Grace's house because Michael's never been to Grace's no, house. No, I think they did do it at Ed's. I think Cole has been implied. There was the implication of Cole. They had sex in his parents' house? Mm-hmm. What? Well. Because Ooh. we've never... Have we? I don't think so. remember the car remember the car i remember the car <laughs> that's why i've got a ford fusion <laughs> Later. Ford. sponsor us <laughs> later michael comes down the stairs grace excitedly <laughs> chatters about getting on the next plane to alicante but Michael has gone to the door and let in PC Tinker, who arrests Grace for fraud by false representation. Uh, she thought Michael had forgiven her, but she's robbed him of two kids in two days. She leaves with PC Tinker apologising, and she's about to tell him about her pregnancy, but he cuts her off. He doesn't want to hear it. Because, you know, yeah. people cut Plot. each other off before important information is Plot. handed over. Plot. Ed comes in and Michael explains what happened. She's with PC Tinker now. she's at she's at peace ed says that he did the right thing but michael loved grace ed said that well she didn't love you mate and then michael tells him about losing the baby boy ed says that he always knew yeah he always he he was always like i would have known if i had a grandchild somewhere out in the world Mm -hmm. Hmm. how much scrutiny do you think uh Grace's explanation withholds because we're we're hanging an awful lot on she blamed him she wanted him to feel pain she wanted to get back at him for ruining her life and not, those three things seem to be the only thing that is an excuse for it and how much pain would he be experiencing if he never found out about it because it's only because of the whole daddy thing and then him proposing 
and her realizing that all of this is going to be falling apart that causes him any pain. If they had just gone on happily in this make-believe world every once in a while, there would have been no pain or suffering or getting back at. Well, how long could the Apostle have kept us going for? Or she kept us going for? I don't know. It, it, and it just, it seems like... I mean, Tiana's talking and she's suddenly going in to see this weird guy who she also gets to call daddy and then, right. and then not tell... Her real daddy, any of it? This right. This had a very short shelf life. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. There is something seriously wrong with Grace that we're not really addressing. You think? Yes. Yeah, because, like I said, the way the way she's able to just shut off the waterworks when he goes up the stairs, when. You'd think she'd still be crying, even if she's got, like, this happy mm-hmm. news in her bag. And why not lead with the happy news? You know, wouldn't you say, yes, 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 but guess what? Look at this. Right. I'm going to pretend this is a positive pregnancy test, even though it's a negative one. God, you really got your, your bees in your bonnet about this. Well, it's just annoying, because... How many thousands of shows and movies have you seen where there's a positive pregnancy test and it's obviously a positive pregnancy test, the universal positive pregnancy test. They couldn't they couldn't find one pregnant woman on set to pee on a stick or, you know, a, like a little magic marker. They could put a little pink line in. Timbot 4000 says this does not compute. Yeah. I wondered where Timbot had got to because we didn't quite have... a lot of this didn't compute. Yeah. But it was really well acted. Yeah. It was, for the most part, a surprise. I was really very didn't surprised. See it coming. I didn't see it coming at all. It wasn't like the last kind of thing that they tried to pull the carpet out from under us with. I was pleased and quite surprised that we spent last week basically complaining about the fact that we're going round and round in circles here where Grace was kind of flitting in and out. She was on board and she was off board and Mm -hmm. and, please just make up their minds and go with something. Right. And they did. Well, boy, did they go for something. Yeah. Like I said, I didn't see it coming. And again, it makes her weird personality with all of this and and us not really knowing too much about her and the two-dimensionalness of the character... It makes sense now. Mm-hmm. And it made such a difference to see uh, something more from Grace other than looking happy while Michael, Michael is looking at her and then looking uh, uh, upset or scared or worried or anxious when Michael turns his back. You know, there was some real uh, emotion. All right. On uh, both sides. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was good. It was it, sold they, well. They finally gave Michael something to really chew on. And I... And he did such a great job. He did a good job. Such a good actor. Yeah, yeah. Our next storyline, I've kind of, I think I had to push these two together. It's the we're kind of double dating here between Peter and Carla and Sarah and Adam. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. that totally makes sense. Yep. On Monday, Peter tries to make it up to Carla with a fry up and tea, but Carla isn't up for it. She thinks he blames her for sleeping with Jordan, and has just plucked up the courage to say so now. And he yep. says, this isn't true love. 
Yeah, it's totally true. Oh, it's not true, love. It's true. <laughs> Don't do that anymore. <laughs> he calls her baby as well. Oh, later. God, I hated that. I shouted <laughs> at the screen. I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you, Colin? A grown... Just... Ah! I hate that. I hate I hate men calling grown women baby. Oh, why are we arguing, baby? Oh, ew! <laughs> Gross. Some mail for Adam has arrived... M-A-I-L for Adam has arrived at number eight. This hits Sarah more than she thought it would, but she uh, she says that she'll take it around to him later, despite the fact that David offered that he would do it. Right, yes, and, neither, and in that whole discussion, neither one of them mentioned the sequel in their backyard. No. Peter runs into Abby in the street and explains the state of play with Carla that he said some things that he shouldn't have, but on the bright side, he's going to a meeting later, which is good because Abby would hate to think that she caused him to relapse, and also Peter loves a meeting. So Sarah he drops really the mail off uh, with Adam at the law office, and it's a brochure for a holiday to Lapland that he was going to take her and Harry to. Harry would have loved it. Yeah, too bad there's a pandemic on. <laughs> Uh, they clearly still have feelings for each other, but they don't say anything, and Sarah lets them get back to his day. Then Abby, who doesn't work at the factory, turns up at the factory to see Carla. Oh, I didn't like this scene. No. She says Peter has filled her in, but not like that. And she no. advises that she forgives, and she advises that Carla forgives him. Carla says Peter wasn't blameless in all this. Abby warns that if Carla keeps pushing Peter away, there's only one place he's going to go. She to then, the bottle. She then says that she always blames other people for her relationship problems and then accuses Carla of doing the same, essentially saying that she's to blame for their relationship issues. Right. And to be fair to Abby in all of this, and I said this earlier in the week to uh, um, Ben Price fan page, um, who I was tweeting back and forth with about this, She only has the information that Peter has given her about his relationship with Carla, about what was said, etc. I don't think if Abby knew that Peter had made that comment about Jordan, I don't think they would be having this conversation. Yeah, because Peter only tells Abby that he said said some things that he shouldn't have. Right. He doesn't say what those things were. Right. So, as much as I hate this... As much as I hate them putting these words in Abby's mouth, I don't blame Abby for how much I hate it. And again, this this happens later on when Carla has yet another discussion with another character who seems to want to overanalyze her relationship with Peter and take Peter's side, who also doesn't know what Peter said. And people are like, well, there's there was truth on both sides there. It's like, no, because that other person doesn't know what Peter said. Mm. Although I feel like that other person wouldn't care because reasons. Are we going to get to that? Yes. Okay. Carla's home for lunch. Tells Peter that what he said and the Abby thing aren't the real problem. They've grown apart and she doesn't feel close to them anymore. The Iranian yogurt is not the issue here. There's a few, there's a few <laughs> points for the Iranian yogurt isn't the issue. <laughs> They don't have fun. Peter thinks that she puts up a wall every time he tries to get close. He didn't say anything because he didn't want to put her under any more pressure. And this makes sense to Carla. This explains why he wants to hang around with someone who fancies him. Ooh. Zing. Then David, who doesn't work at the factory, is at the factory catching up with Sarah, keen to know if Bravehearts magazine was Haggis Eaters Monthly. Ha ha. Ha 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 ha. Ha 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 ha. 
Haha. <laughs> Scottish people are funny. Adam is Scottish. Right. He wonders if Sarah has still has feelings for Adam and advises her to go and talk to him about it. So that's what she does. But Adam's on a short fuse with the day he's had in another storyline. She suggests to him that it was a mistake them splitting up, but he says the only mistake they made was getting married in the first place. Well, that'll be that then, says Sarah. Ta! <laughs> Thanks for clearing that up. Then Peter, who doesn't work at the factory, turns up at the factory first. <laughs> <laughs> to see Carla. You, they both still love each other, so why are they both so unhappy? They don't want to split up, Carla says, and they're good together. Peter suggests they do something tonight, like going to town, and Carla jokingly pretends that she thinks he means going shopping, and whoosh, it goes right over Peter's head. At least I think that's what the joke was, wasn't it? Pretty much. On Wednesday, Peter and Carla are having a quiet breakfast, but Carla thinks that he's like a half-shut knife. He didn't come to bed until 3am. Carla seems to want to talk, but Peter isn't up for it, so leaves, moodily, although we learn that he likes monster flakes. The monster flakes are not the issue here. At the factory, Carla asks Sarah how she's getting on. She's stressed out of her tits about this meeting that she has with Tom Reed, who I assume is Liam Neeson from last week. Yes. Carla realises that she's sounding like Sarah isn't qualified to do her job, so she takes a step back and asks what she can do to help. Later, Peter is valeting a car when Adam happens along, and Peter explains that he and Carla are going through a bit of a dry patch, and he's been having cravings and all of that abby shite. Adam calls it small fry, he says. He and Carla have been through more than that in the past. And if for some reason, Nina is involved... And see, again, Peter doesn't mention the whole Jordan thing. No, he doesn't. No. He's very careful not to. So for some reason, Nina is involved in Sarah and Carla's presentation for the meeting. What's Nina who doesn't work in the factory doing in the factory? Nina is Carla's friend. And they used to cohabitate together. Nina has... Nina is a young person... So they need a young person's eye because this is supposed to be really fashion forward. This isn't explained though. It's kind of explained. Sarah does say to Nina that they need a young person's opinion. Oh, I must have missed that. Yeah. Nina thinks the designs look old, which is enough for Sarah and Carla to take it to heart and run away. <laughs> and also <laughs> for the audience to to consider the irony of... Nina calling something old when she wears Victorian dress all the time. <laughs> Carla tells Sarah to give it her best shot. Sarah explains her behaviour and stress is coming from really her last chat with Adam and how badly it went and how Adam doesn't even care anymore, like he's already moved on, which gives Carla food for thought. Outside, Sarah and Carla are practising a perfume-based sales pitch on the lousy knickers when Tom Reed drives up. Sarah realises that she's left her costings at home, so she runs across the street to get them. Then Adam comes along wondering what's wrong. Tom Reed is still waiting in his car on the phone, so Carla asks Adam to pretend to have small talk with her. And the only small talk that Adam can bring up is about Carla and Peter. And Carla is more interested in talking about Adam and Sarah, and she gets him to admit that he still loves her. She's uh -huh. still the one, or at least that he, he thought, thought she, she was, was still, still the one. one. Inside, Sarah shows off the designs to Tom Reed, but they've all been spruced up. Sarah's taken aback, but Tom loves them. He's in, and after six or seven seconds, the important meeting that had Sarah shitting herself all morning is over. Yes. What the fuck just happened, asks Sarah. <laughs> this is Nina's handiwork, and Sarah wants to thank Nina. Carla will take care of that, and then she tells Sarah that Adam is still in love with her. Sarah doubts it, but Carla says that he thinks that she's the one. But that's not what he said. No. 
Not quite. Not said exactly. He thought but, she was the one. So Sarah goes round to the law office. There's music <laughs> playing, and Adam is looking sheepish and looking like he's just uh, tucked himself in. Thought that he'd locked up. Sarah wonders if they could have a chat and some lunch. And just as Adam agrees, a dishevelled woman comes in from the office. Adam's been getting his hole off. Let me introduce Naomi. <laughs> Sarah introduces herself as Adam's wife and then leaves them to it. Which Adam does not say anything about this. Adam does not say estranged wife or we're in the middle of a divorce or anything. Did you notice that? I did notice that. I also almost got my stopwatch off. Stop what? I almost also got my stopwatch out to time the the difference between Sarah last speaking to him and then him getting his hole off someone completely different. Right. Because it felt like it was about two minutes later. Well, it was shortly after his conversation with Carla. I'll give you that. Oh, yes, that's what I mean. (laughs) So, Carla goes round to Roy's roles. Nina apologises. She thought Sarah had thrown the designs away. But I don't remember her throwing the designs away. She and if she them had back on the... thrown the designs away, what would she had to show this Tom Reed character? Right. Or maybe she, she could print them off again. She I guess. Put... But I remember her putting them back on the desk and Nina looking over them <laughs> on the rem... desk. That's what I remember. Before picking up her pencil. So we all knew what was happening. Right. Carla offers Nina a job on the spot, a couple of months freelance, and Nina is quite made up and Faye does not get her Italian chicken sandwich. That's not Faye, that's Amy. And Amy does not get her (laughs) Italian chicken sandwich. No, she does eventually get it. She was quite funny. She was kind of sitting there waiting for her sandwich and interested in the conversation that's going on. Wait a minute, what? Yeah, and why is it taking so long? And and she's like waiting for her her sandwich. And Nina instead is like cleaning. Mm -hmm. And Nina's the only one there. It's like... You make my sandwich, please. <laughs> Back at the factory, Sarah's subdued and tells Carla about Adam. Carla can't believe it. He booty called his ex. She's so sorry, but Sarah thinks that he's done her a favour. She knows where she stands now. So Carla goes round to see Adam. For so long, women have had to put up with nasty words for sleeping around, but never to a man, and she calls him a slut and a rutting chimp man. He says it's complicated. He blames Carla for feeling guilty for giving Sarah false hope. And anyway, they've split up so he can do what he wants. So maybe focus on your own barren relationship. And Carla picks up a stapler from uh, the desk and throws it at Adam's head. Where it bounces off the window and turns to wood. (laughs) (laughs) And then Gav has lots and lots of fun with sound effects for the rest of the week. Such good fun. (laughs) I think... I changed the wooden landing to uh, a dog barking, like Adam had a dog <laughs> on the floor that the thing hit. Uh, small change <laughs> falling <laughs> on his concrete. Uh, uh, oh, what did the, the, there was a, a, a horn, a, a party horn, and what was the other one? Was it a squeaky toy? It was a squeaky toy. <laughs> They're all on my Twitter. I think they're all hilarious, but then I would. Yes. Well, other but people seem to think it was hilarious as well, including Charlie. So. And uh, Georgia Taylor liked it as well. Um, Thanks, Charlie. And Georgia. Days later, I was still watching them <laughs> chuckling away. So. Oh, and Christy, our librarian friend in Canada, whom, whom we miss. We mm. miss Canada. More than ever, we miss Canada. So that stapler was Imran's favourite. 
Adam apologises. Carla's all, you Barlow boys love to tell each other everything. So here it is from her point of view. Her meds killed her sex drive, and now that it's back, Peter's not interested because he still thinks of her as a patient who wants to sl- and who wants to sleep with someone who slept with a junkie. And now he's hanging around with Abby, who has her addiction issues, and now so does she because his mentally ill girlfriend was raped again. And somehow she's a bitch for getting upset with him. Adam is sorry. Carla tells him to get to fuck. Yes. That was uh, very... Fuck off, Adam. <laughs> that was very powerful. Fuck all the way off. Very powerful stuff from Carla. Absolutely. So Carla goes home to find a bouquet of flowers. Sorry it's so cliche, says Peter. But it's worked, says Carla. And they tell each other that they love each other. He's even made uh, dinner and everything. And why don't we take it out of the oven and let it, uh, let, let it set? Yeah. Fuck that, says Carla. Come get your hole. <laughs> and a towel is thrown onto a chair. <laughs> I was going to say that. A towel was thrown over the camera. <laughs> On Friday, outside Roy's rolls, Adam makes an attempt to apologise to Sarah, but she has far too many gags about bicycles to give him a word in edgeways. And he clops off. Shona asks how Sarah is. Shite, but thanks for caring, says Sarah. I don't, well, I don't says say Shona. And then she tries to organise a night at Speed Dial with her because David says that it used to be mates. And we could even invite that Carla along. And Carla's happy to agree, and then Maria and Gary are back from their honeymoon. They've had a super time. It's all downhill from here, says Carla. And then she invites Maria to the dinner at Speeddolf, which I thought was a little strange. Yeah. It's like, Carla, what are you doing? You don't... Why would you do this to Sarah? Sarah's standing at the back going, hello. Hi. Standing Remember right me? here. I'm right here. Right here. So everyone meets up at Speeddolf, and they're all bad-mouthing men, except Maria, who reckons that she's got a good one in Gary. And has the photos to prove it. Timbot4000 says Maria is a fucking tube. <laughs> yep. God, stop, Timbot. It's not nice. She doesn't get any brighter, that's for sure. It was funny, like, when, when Carla said to Sarah, um, Maria hasn't exactly had very much luck with the lads. And Sarah's behind her saying, no, nope, nope, she, she has not. Sarah wants the world to swallow her up. Or preferably, swallow up Maria. It seems David is trying to be romantic, but Shona isn't keen on candlelit dinners. And this sets Maria off on how romantic Gary was and how much money he spent and how much they took pictures of everything and how they only had one argument in two weeks, which she admits was about her not wanting to take his name. Windass. Yeah. I've I've made fun of that name. I'm so glad somebody has finally acknowledged (laughs) how hilarious that name is. Then, speak of the devil, Gary comes down for a takeaway and seems concerned that Sarah is there. He speaks to her on the way at the bogs. He'd sooner that she didn't get sloshed with his missus, but she tells him to bolt round. But she tells him to bolt round to see Adam. They can be tweedledum and tweedledumber, and she kind of flicks on the vickies and goes off for a piss. That's as far as we get with this. Yes. This week. Well, yeah. I expect Adam and Sarah to get back together again. Yes. But by God, they're making it really difficult for that to happen, aren't they? They really are. I really hope that they do, though. And as you pointed out very oh. astutely yesterday, oh. Did I? there was this whole long period where it kind of became a joke on the show how dry Adam's spell was. Oh, yeah. How he wasn't getting his hole off of anybody. Nope. He couldn't have find anybody to have sex with him anywhere. Nope. And then all of a sudden, he has this uh, mystery ex who just shows up. For a quickie, who who supposedly called him? Right. Yeah, 
So it seems like his dry spell was just convenient. Did they have sex with Laura the Chin? No. He did not have sex with no, Laura the Chin. She, she, she wanted, wanted to. It. But he... No. It was nice to see Amy back this week. Yeah. Even briefly. She's getting quite the comic timing. Yes. And She's obviously Tracy and Steve's kid. Right. The expressions that she was pulling just in that one scene were... Yeah, she's very good. You know, we were trying to get some funny storylines going last yeah. week. That didn't, well, one of them didn't, one of them really didn't. But I thought Amy was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you're right that half of the problem here is Peter not telling everybody the full story. And, right. And then you can get, you can understand why he wouldn't because it's no. a kind of reprehensible thing to say. Right. But what that's doing is setting the hairs out to right. go and try and fix things on their behalf when they don't know the full story. Right. You're right, that's the same with and Adam, bl- and it was the same with... And blaming Carla mm-hmm. when it takes two to tango. And everybody like, oh, Carla is so wooden and cold and frigid and... Shut up. Right. <laughs> Our next storyline today is... Hmm. Parenthesis. Tim's fucking dad. Oh. On Friday... Sally gets the mail and says, hmm, which Tim takes as an invitation to ask her what's up. And she says, there's nothing up. I just said, hmm. She has a letter addressed to Mrs. S. Metcalf when she's not really. And Tim blames Tim's dad. If it wasn't for that sack of shit, they'd be getting married in two days' time. Sally doesn't think it matters. She's Mrs. Metcalf in every way that counts. But sadly, that comes too late to prevent Tim from lamenting about how he used to love his dad and he's made his mum disappear. And later, Sally gets Tim to pose as a yucca plant. That was hilarious. Too big, says Sally. And Tim offers to get her a plant for the wedding. He reveals that he forgot to confirm the cancellation, so the wedding's actually still on in two days' time after all. (laughs) But, says Sally, the girls are abroad, Elaine's gone missing, and his best man is the biggest monster in Manchester. Yeah, but apart from that, says Tim, (laughs) all he wants to do is slip his ring on her finger. But not like that. And I've missed the bit where... There's a, a delightful scene where uh, Sally's talking about Timmy's electric toothbrush. Oh, yeah. When she hears it going because he thinks he's on a promise that night. And <laughs> and her reaction to it is just really kind of sweet and, and, and amusing. And yes. the two of them back and forth about it was, yeah, it was, was, very, a, was a lovely little moment. It's very cute. And then, then I started to think about, uh, I hope Abby never got a hold of that electric toothbrush. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Oh, because remember the battery? Yes, <laughs> vividly. <laughs> Tim wants to get married as soon as possible, and Tim's dad's not Gavis going to be. Now a beat red. Not going to be invited. Sally's pleased and wants Tim to get his toothbrush on that charger. Uh huh. That was lovely. So it looks like we're getting another wedding next week. You think Tim's dad is going to fuck it up? Uh, I think he's going to. Well, okay, so they're not going to invite him. And they're all going to uh, maintain secrecy and not tell him about it. Uh huh. Somebody's going to let it slip. Who do you think that's going to be? Because it's not going to be Tim, it's not going to be Sally. Could It wouldn't be Abby. Could it be Kev? Because Kev's best man as well. Oh, it could be Faye. Yeah. Does she still feel some loyalty to him? I don't think she does. I don't think she, she does. She gave up on Tim's dad before Tim did. Yeah. And then 
he's going to gate crash it. And... Right. But why would he want to do that? Why would he want to fuck up the wedding? Because he's he hates Sally. And he blames Sally for turning him against him. Yeah, true. And this means that there's no turning back from that. Whereas it kind of seemed like he had a little bit of hope. Or he was thinking that he had hope when he forgave Daniel. I thought that that would turn Tim. Tim desperately wants to marry Sally. Yes. If his dad screws that up in any way. Or even tries to screw it up. Tim's going to go off his fucking nut. Yeah. That's it. We're done. I mean, they're already done. But that's not just done. That's I'm I'm putting you in hospital done. Yeah. Hmm. Oh. I think this is a penultimate storyline. It is. It's a penultimate storyline this week, and it's about uh, Paul's secret adventure. <laughs> On Friday, at breakfast, Billy is worried about Paul, who didn't get much sleep last night. Billy reminds Paul that Summer has a, a dentist appointment, but Paul has to make arrangements with Rita to move furniture. Billy and his man bag agree to take care of the Summer appointment. After the appointment, Billy's in the Rovers, and after a fashion, learns from Jenny that Rita... Isn't with uh, Paul. No. Because she's with Mavis and Cartmel, whatever that is. Right. She's traveling as a 70-odd-year-old woman during a pandemic. Drink. <laughs> My coffee's gone. Billy thinks he's got the wrong end of the stick, when obviously he doesn't think that he's got the wrong end of the stick. He's just covering mm. for himself. So then Paul gets home later with a furtive Billy moodily waiting on him on the couch. Paul is still trying to sell the I was helping Rita ticket, uh, but Billy already knows that he wasn't there. So where was he and why did he lie? It's nothing to worry about, says Paul. He's been volunteering for a kid's helpline. This was his first day and they didn't want uh, Billy to see him fail again. Paul thinks he could do some good. Billy worries that Paul isn't ready, but this is how Paul is, is choosing to process his own feelings. And Paul's disappointed that Billy isn't being more supportive. Billy just repeats that he's just worried, but Paul's mind is made up. So when Paul's trying to do some good and uh, help himself, right? because that doesn't jive with how Billy thinks it should go, yeah. Billy becomes... Billy's kind of Billy's kind of acting like Peter. <sighs> Something about the men with facial hair on the show. Which is pretty much everybody at this point. <laughs> they just... Yeah, because just like Peter, Billy wants to be the hero of Paul's story. Mm-hmm. And this kind of changes that narration. Mm-hmm. that Paul is trying to take charge of it for right. himself yes which should be applauded yes he's trying to turn something negative into something positive and he's right. f- found a way to do it right he's going ahead and doing it and he, right. he thinks he's helping and it went well but Billy still can't bring and himself to and the fact that to... he's self-aware enough to know that Billy is not going to like this is very telling mm-hmm. yeah does Billy just become like this when his man bag's there, or is this <laughs> is there something about the man bag that pushes him down this self righteous route? And I was the... really happy that this is why Paul lied because I was really worried because it was obvious Paul was lying from the from the very start about the whole Rita thing. Yeah, because he had a look in his eye. Mm-hmm. I'm glad it was he was lying for a good thing and not right some weird bad thing. Like pissing on Kel's grave or something. <laughs> Our final storyline today is about Oliver. 
and other things on Monday. <laughs> You've kind of assumed a position where it looks like you're either going to pounce across <laughs> the desk and start strangling me or go off on one. But not like that. <laughs> on Monday. During a conversation about Nick having stuff in his mind, Sarah inadvertently gives David a clue that Nick has a secret to hide, and she makes him swear not to breathe a word, but Nick's actually got a secret kid, a nine-year-old called Sam. David is astonished, and is further astonished to discover that Leanne doesn't know. No wonder Nick is stressed. Sarah doesn't know how Nick can walk away from his son, but David reckons, well, it's Nick's choice. And because in a previous storyline, David tells Sarah and David talks Sarah into speaking with Adam, Sarah is now able to tell David to speak to Nick about his son, which he re- reluctantly agrees to do. And neither one of them mentions the sinkhole in their no, backyard. doesn't come, doesn't doesn't come, come up, up in conversation. Nope. So at number eight, David tells Nick that he knows about the kid and he's not going to tell anyone. David is worried <laughs> if he's making the right decision here. Oliver is Nick's priority, he says, and he doesn't need this in his life. And David asks, well, what do you think his kid needs in his life? David just said he wasn't going to get involved. Right. Nick and David are having beers. He's worried about this. Nick is worried about the sort of relationship he'd have because it's all very well having a good relationship mm-hmm. with Oliver, but Oliver's a toddler and this kid's nine years old and he wonders what kind Right, of because d- he wasn't around when Simon was nine, was he? Oh, wait, yes, he was. And he wonders Justice what- for Simon. Justice for Simon. And he wonders what kind of dad he'd be. He knows nothing about Sam. And there's only one way to find out, says David, who promised not to get involved. You were a good stepdad to Simon when he was nine. It's fine. I don't know if he was there when he was nine, but he was certainly there. Yeah. More laterally. Yes. Sarah comes home from another storyline and asks Nick not to have a go for spilling Nick's beans, as Adam has totally just knocked her back. He doesn't deserve you, says Nick. No one does, says David. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I, I love this, I love this trio of siblings so much yeah they're the most believable siblings on the street mm-hmm. i uh yeah I, I, I don't know if it's an equal balance but i very very much enjoy uh david and sarah together because uh-huh. they they must be brother and sister in real life they just must be <laughs> there's no other way about it on Wednesday, Sarah sees Leanne and Nick get back in Nick's awful, awful car. Leanne is just home to get a change of clothes, and Nick says that Dr. Schmitz is back from holiday now so they can uh, hope to hear from him soon, and the delay is killing Leanne. When, when was Dr. Schmitz on holiday? I knew that he wasn't no, he, going to be able to be there for two weeks, but they just called him like last week to talk about seizures. He said he was going on holiday. Hmm. Nick goes to see Ray Weinstein. He explains he's David's brother and wonders if Ray's mate would be interested in half a factory. He admits <laughs> that he doesn't own the building, it's only half a business, but Nick thinks Ray would uh, like the swagger from it. Ray doesn't think his mate would be interested, and he's certainly not. He knows Nick needs the money, but he doesn't want shares in a knicker factory, but offers ten grand for Oliver's fund, which is pretty generous. Yeah. At home, Steve has exciting news for Tracy. That company with a flyer have agreed to buy the flat and streetcars and the florist and Steve's off to give them a call to get the ball rolling. They're willing to pay cash and Tracy looks a little bit suspicious about all this or reluctant. Yeah, very reluctant. Well, they go to see Nick and Leanne and somewhat reluctantly, Tracy agrees to sell everything. Oliver is family. Leanne is surprised... How are they going to make money? Leanne is surprised that Tracy is nice until Steve reminds everyone that she has killed and will kill again. <laughs> 
that may not have happened. Yeah, but they did say, you know, don't don't let it go around. She's got a reputation to uphold, right. which is essentially the same thing. Same thing. On Friday, Nick is on the phone trying to sell the factory to a random. Carla says that she'd buy it herself if she had the money. Sadly, there are no coins down the couch. Then Carla says Nick has a letter from NASA. And it's very much a child's handwriting with crayon and stuff, but it does have a nationomical theme. It's addressed to the Nick Tilsley, the Knicker Factory, Coronation <laughs> Street. Privately, Nick opens it and it's a letter from Craig. Sam. No, it's Sam. That was my joke. Oh. Yes. Oh. Leanne is chatting with Toya. As soon as Dr. Schmitz gives them the go-ahead, they'll be off to Germany to give Oliver a fighting chance. And Nick comes in and is surprised to see Toya because didn't she have a fostering thing meeting? Toya plays it down, saying it's not important right now. Leanne wants her to press on. It'll do Oliver good or something to have other kids around. Which, uh, makes, which makes Nick suck a awful tooth in the background. Later, Leanne is... Oh, I didn't... Yeah. An awkward... Mm-hmm, good point. An awkward tooth. But Later, a tooth nonetheless. Leanne is reading Peter Pan to Oliver and gets the bit where Peter takes dead kids part of the way to the afterlife or something and she has to leave for air. She meets the doctor who tells them that they've had a conference with the German team. Let's talk about this someplace private, she says somewhat ominously. And only with Leanne. She doesn't say, let's wait for the other parents to get here, mm-hmm. which they probably should have. Yeah. Outside the florist... Toya bumps into Stephen Tracy. They've heard from Leanne. The Germans don't think Oliver is a candidate for treatment after all. Stephen Tracy head off to the hospital. They'll keep Toya informed. Stephen Tracy head off to the hospital. They'll keep Toya informed because she has her fostering thing, remember? Meanwhile, Nick is with Natasha at the flat. How risky is this? Right. Yeah. Jeez. The the whole thing is just... And... Why? He shows her the letter and Natasha says that she didn't put Sam up to it. She claims that Sam managed to track him down all in his own. He's a clever wee boy. Nick has changed his mind. He wants to meet Sam. How? Thinks that he has to. What? promises to be committed. Fair enough, says Natasha. Doesn't make sense. And she says that she'll bring him round later. To the flat. Because they can't meet at Natasha's because it's too soon for that. Right. So So this wee boy... This nine-year-old boy who has never heard the name Nick Tilsley before in his whole life, who's... Well, Natasha's told him about him. No. Well, she must have. Well, but she insists that she hasn't. No, she insisted that she hadn't put him up to writing the letter. No, but before, when Nick said he couldn't be involved in his life, she said she wasn't going to tell him about him. If that's what it was going to be like, that she wasn't going to put hope on the kid. So when Nick says he can't be involved in his life, she wasn't going to tell him who he was. And she's lied to this kid his whole life. All of a, Somehow this child has figured out that Nick Tilsley is his dad somehow after nine years of life. And just recently, just miraculously in the time that Natasha has bumped back into Nick. Why are there so many people with N letter names in this freaking show? I don't think that's really the main point. No, no. But But still, it's just, how would he have figured out all of this and where Nick works and the address for where Nick works, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all of a sudden, just past two weeks, 
It does not make any sense. She said that she's not going to tell him. She must have told him anyway. But still. I am Timbot4000. <laughs> Tim's fucking dad can go and fling shite at himself. Well, this is what true. happens when, when Helen... But Timbot4000 says this does not compute. Thank you. Wants to take control of Timbot. See, when you try and take control of Timbot, Timbot, he pushes back. <laughs> but not like that. <laughs> so a little later... How do you know not like that? Because I'm the, you, you I'm know, the traitor of Timbot4000. You, you don't know what Timbot4000 does on his off hours? Well, I have some idea. <laughs> so a little later, in comes Sam and Natasha. Sam is... Well, he's a little much. He's the British young Sheldon. <laughs> and I don't imagine that's a coincidence. Mm. Do you want to and know how old young Sheldon is and young Sheldon? Nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And considering this, the stellar job that they have done handling other, other uh, illnesses... Well, we don't know that this is a thing. He might just be like that. He seems to be on the spectrum. He seems to be on the spectrum. And I'm just concerned that this is going to be like uh, Craig's OCD or Hope's behavioral issues, which, remember, were supposed to be a thing and then weren't a thing. This is already better than Craig's OCD issues. (laughs) But still, this is already better than but, that. But and, and, and Carla's psychosis, I, I just yeah, Carla's psychosis was okay, from from a, from a certain perspective. Yeah, yeah. I'm just worried about about them having a, a charming autistic child on the show, who's who's going to be charming and abrupt and and basically a cute a cute version of Shona. With 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 her <laughs> with her abruptness, can you imagine Shona and Sam sitting in a room together having a conversation? I think they'd go on famously. They would. They're basically the same character. So anyway, he instantly starts quizzing Nick. Talks about writing to Kim Jong Un and about how a bike gets stolen every ninety seconds in the UK. So you're my dad, then. What do I need to know? He says he's a cracking wee actor. Yes. And it's but interesting to see a young actor play a quirky character so authentically. Quirky. And he he is like that um It's like Rain Man. No. <laughs> Almost with the nine thousand bicycles. He is uh very much the young Sheldon. He's very much the young Sheldon. I enjoy young Sheldon. I think young Sheldon's great. Older Sheldon, not so much. Young mm-hmm. Sheldon was a I thoroughly enjoyed that show. And Is I don't it still know. a show? Mm-hmm. I think I think it's limited because you know he's obviously grown up and, right. and stuff, and it's, it's kind of COVID. And but, I don't I don't know if what's his name is uh, up to doing voiceovers anymore for it, considering that uh, he was on that dreadful Hollywood show where he played an evil gay man in the nineteen fifties Hollywood, and then he's in that uh, the boys thing. So anyway. He's very much moved on from Sheldon. At the hospital, Leanne thinks that the UK doctor has talked the German doctors out of offering treatment. It's like that they want Oliver to die. <sighs> and over and above that, she can't get a hold of Nick. Because Nick is busy listening to Sam talk about telescope lenses. Right, and the- how Natasha apparently 
told Sam that his dad worked for NASA. Mm-hmm. Because that's, that's less, fine. That's less embarrassing than owning a knicker, knicker factory. factory. Natasha takes him to. Did he own the knicker factory back then? Or was did he own the bistro back then? Which it was funny when he reminded uh, Ray Weinstein that he used to own, or Ray Weinstein reminded Nick that he used to own the bistro. Yeah, it was called Nick's Bistro. Mm-hmm. A little on the nose, but you know it works. Eh. They go stargazing to Saddleworth Moor, and that's a name that still makes me. Oh, that's where the Moors murders took place, because he wants to be Why a astrophysicist. murders. But apparently happen. they do. I checked it out. There are stargazing clubs that go to Saddleworth Moor, so it, it is a thing. Sam invites him to come along next time. Apparently, Natasha told Sam he worked for NASA. It was better than a knicker factory. And you're right, I don't think the timeline kind of works out. No. I agree with that. But Natasha makes their excuses and they arrange to meet again soon. Sam leaves, hoping that his bike is still there. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's funny. It's funny. So, Steve and Leanne... Yeah, but chatting- you know, autistic people want to be perceived as funny anymore. I don't know. So Steve and Leanne are chatting with the doctor again. She goes through it all again, talked about his condition, the test result, and they felt after that they weren't in a position to help. No one talked, no one out of nothing, says the doctor. (laughs) The Germans weren't sure how bad Oliver's condition was at the time. Steve doesn't think they have anything to lose, but the Germans don't want to give them false hope. There's nothing anyone can do. Nothing would please the doctor more than to tell him that they have better news. But Leanne thinks this is a face-saving exercise and this is all about their own reputation and she storms out. And but- I mean, the doctor has a fair point. The Germans didn't have all these test results. They just had Leanne's word. Even when mm-hmm. Leanne said, well, actually, the, I told the them seizures the truth. are a little bit worse than what I made out. And I mean, all of that could have been easily fixed by Dr. Schmidt saying, well... Can somebody, oh, I don't know, fax or email the test results to me right now? Mm-hmm. Why does it take, why did it take so long for this to happen? I'll tell you why. So that Steve and Tracy will sell all of their possessions to try to save this kid and not be able to get them back. You think Leanne's going to take this to court? Is that what it is? <sighs> because there's nothing... The, the the German thing has gone away. Yes. There's no re- requirement for a million pounds anymore, or half a million pounds. Right. But if Steve has already sold up or already signed a contract, oh, he has. I don't know if he has or not. No, I don't think he has. So he could pull out of that. <coughs> Let's hope so. But what like I'm that. thinking is that that Leanne, who's clearly not going to let this go, no, wants to take this further, and this yes. becomes the story of the parents who take the NHS to court, and here we are. And to coin a phrase from you, we're in the middle of a pandemic where we're kind of relying, or, well, we're not, but Weatherfield, if it existed, was relying, and and Britain as a whole is relying extra hard on the NHS. We're going to have a storyline. And the NHS every mm-hmm. night. We're going to have a storyline where we're taking the NHS to court. Hmm. I'm not sure how well that sits. Yeah. So anyway... Back home, Toya and Imran are wondering if this is what they want to do with the fostering thing. But it sounds like Toya isn't going to go at the fostering thing one way or the other. And she's worried that Leanne won't cope. So if Imran's going, he's going on his own. Nick finally shows up at the hospital saying that he'd been in a meeting. And he had his phone off. She really needed him today. And Leanne continues to go on about how the doctors are working against Oliver. And then Toya comes in, uh, who thinks that she's entitled to a second opinion. 
Leanne is not moving an inch until Dr. Schmitz comes over. But Mi- haven't they gotten a second opinion by the German doctors looking over the test results and saying, yeah, there's no hope for this kid? I think the That's Germans... a second opinion. I think the Germans are third opinion. I think they got a second opinion already. already. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, meanwhile... No. So, Nick's phone buzzes in his pocket and Nick asks Toya about the fostering thing. They didn't go through with it. It didn't feel right. Then, meanwhile, Nick is still obsessed with his phone and he ducks out the room, much to Leanne's chagrin. It's a voice message from Sam, this time voiced expertly by Ben Price to the actual <laughs> Ben Price. <laughs> the Ben Price Sam invites the Ben Price Nick to Saddleworth Moor to stargaze with him. And happily, Nick goes back into the room and Leanne is fucking furious with him. Right, and, uh, especially since she can tell he's been smiling. Mm-hmm. And that's how we end this week's episodes. Do you think Leanne's going to punch Natasha in the nose? Well, she has to find out about her first. Yeah, that's 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 going to happen soon, isn't it? How many times? And I'm, I'm kind of enjoying this. I'm enjoying the aspects of I this. I still feel like Natasha is playing something here. There's parts of it that I'm enjoying. Uh, I'm not enjoying Leanne so much because she's getting... I think it's okay to be irrational, but I think she's becoming a little bit too irrational. Yeah. But there's bits about it that I'm uh, really enjoying. Yes. However. However. How many times can we say this? And I, I get it. It's soap and it's drama. But how many times do we get to a position where this wouldn't have been a problem if person A had, had come clean to person, B to person B right at the start? Right. You're never going to believe what's happened, Leanne. I have. Remember a- Natasha? Yeah, that one. From, yeah, from, eight, yeah, that one. And he's going to wait till Oliver dies to tell her? Oh, I'm so sad. But guess what? I have good news. You have a new stepson. Right. Hmm. Who's the young Sheldon? Right. But without Annie Potts in tow. Right. And let's, oh, let's, Annie Potts in Coronation Street. I think that would work. Let's be honest. Eddie Potts and uh, what's his name for the Princess Bride? They make the show. <laughs> they do. They're really good. I don't believe that Eddie Potts grows older and becomes the Mima that we see on the Big Bang Theory, though. I don't believe that for a second. If this is following in the young Sheldon's footsteps, he's going to try and get his mum and dad back together again. Yeah, yeah. He's going to parent trap this whole <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> Yeah, this is a parent trap situation just right. ready to happen and no. <laughs> no. I I'm in for a penny on this. I I still have my suspicions. I still have heavy suspicions, especially since we've just come off another storyline with a surprise child. It turns out not to be a surprise child. Right. Yeah. And I, I, it could go anyway. It could go so many different ways. We, we kind of accepted the explanation of how this happened. That she did miscarry, but then kind of immediately got pregnant right. straight afterwards, which I didn't think really which, was a thing. Timbot4000 says this does not compute. Correct. Right. The, timeline, the timeline does not work here. No. I, for him, because... She got pregnant 
or said she was pregnant. And didn't they like immediately break up almost immediately after she miscarries or something? Oh, I can't remember. I don't know. We that have seems to rewatch. How, how people remember it. I'm kind of relying on other people to tell me what happened because I kind of I feel like I need to go point. back and, and watch these episodes. I don't know if you can get access to it. Oh, I'm sure we could find a way, legally or otherwise. <laughs> yes, let's say that out loud. <laughs> Moment of the week. Michael, Michael, Michael's, Michael's uh, thing with the uh, with the cops when he finds out that Tiana's not his kid. I just the emotion. And how well acted that whole scene is. It's it's moment of the week. I know, I know we were trying really hard not to do sad moments of the week. But I just, we've got to give it to him. I don't think we've ever given it to Michael. Can't imagine that we would have known. No. <coughs> what, with the whole tiny, the unicorn party thing? That had moment of the week written all over it. Or, or uh, selling Gemma's pee. Yeah. That didn't happen. Yeah. So this so it's it's Michael's turn. Michael has earned it. Fair enough. That's our moment of the week. Moment of the week. There were a good few moments of the week. <coughs> there were a good few there was a a lot of uh, honourable mentions. Oh separate. yeah, like Craig yep. yelling at Daniel. If if Carla thrown the stapler. If Michael's thing hadn't happened, then it would have been Craig yelling at Daniel. And I think there will be certain people out there that will yes. have the moment of the week being Nick's Something introduction to, do to Nick. Sam. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Boring moment of the week. Maria yammering on about her pictures. Yeah. <laughs> Dodge the bullet, Daniel. That's it. Boring moment of the week. Boring moment of the week. If you've uh, Ever, if you've ever, if you've ever, if you've ever thrown a stapler at a lawyer's head and, <laughs> and have it bounce off the wall and turn into something else, make your own bloody sound effects for that. <laughs> but, but then send it to us at the talk of the street at gmail.com on email. You can also leave us a voicemail on gmail on <laughs> gmail.com on uh, Skype, Skype and uh, leave a couple of nuggets in our virtual tip jar on PayPal. We yes, are please. At Corey Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Buy our t-shirts? Yep, our we merch. Have, we have a... Does it work at the factory t-shirt now? We do. Yeah. Yours should be arriving anytime soon. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> and, yeah, you can get to that through the uh, link on our bio. I, I shall wear that with my Evelyn mask. I don't know what happened to my Gale mask. And please, if you're off the inclination, leave a rating and a review on iTunes. That would be fantastic. Thank you very much. We would greatly appreciate that yes please thanks for making it to the end of another episode and we will be back next week with more talk of the street cheerio bye